Yes, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Rugby Muscle Podcast. I'm your host, as always, TJ, and today, as it is the second episode of the week, we are doing a Q&A edition of the podcast. We've got three questions. We've got 20 minutes on the timer to make sure that we don't dilly-dally and take too deep of a dive into any of these one areas, although we've got sufficient time because we've only got three questions to really make sure that we answer those questions completely so you're going to get a lot out of this episode in minimal time and that is the purpose of the Q&A editions if you have a question for a future Q&A edition you can ask it below in the comment section on YouTube or hit the three dots or hit the Q&A button on Spotify and ask it there and of course if you want to drop us a five-star review at the same time that would be magnificent. And of course, you've got to make sure you're subscribed to listen to your answer. Right. So without further ado, first question comes in. Uh, this person asks for um, an adjustment of training if it is needed when moving from winger to back row. And I think I think that I want to approach this more from an overall general uh, how do I make my training specific for my position? What do I need to consider? And rather than outline every single position and the nuances of that, I will give a bit more of a a brief yet guided overview on how you should go about making your training suit you and your position. First and foremost, I think that going about it this way is a little bit, a little bit of a fool's errand. Okay, because if you're a better athlete, you're going to be a better player in any of your positions. So if you're fitter, right, you're going to be a better uh, back row. You're also going to be a better prop. You're also going to be a better center. You're also going to be a better winger. If you're faster, you're going to be a better back row. You're going to be a better prop. You're going to be a better center. You're going to be a better winger. Right, Getting better at all these uh, areas of physical preparation is going to suit every position on the rugby pitch. However, of course, we've got to lean a little bit more on certain areas for certain positions, but not just for certain positions, but also the way you want to play the game and your own personal deficiencies or uh, things that you're already good at that you might not need to work on, right? So we can talk about um, the strength needs for a prop and we can talk about the speed needs for a winger, but we can also look at okay is a prop still going to need to get faster is a winger still going to need to have a decent amount of strength is the winger going to benefit from strength and of course they're all gonna you're gonna give me different answers to varying degrees not just depending on the position but depending on who you are as a who you are as a player how you want to play the game you might play a prop very play the game at prop very differently to the way someone else plays and that is something that must be considered. Now, I can look at, let's look at some positions and, and the slight differences that they would make, right? So, and this is where a few light bulbs might go off, right? Most of the time, right, props uh, or front rows in general are going to need more strength. But when we look at like amateur rugby, for the most part, it's just the fat guys that go there and they're already strong enough because they've got enough muscle. So, do you need necessarily to gain more strength? I would argue not, right? Because you're already strong enough, strong enough, but you're fat. So you're not playing your game as efficiently as you could. If you got fit 
Maybe you move to back row, not because you're not strong enough to be front row. In fact, I know in amateur rugby, plenty of uh, back rows that have moved to the front row, not because they've gotten, actually, yeah, some of them because they've just gotten fat, but also because they're already strong enough that they might as well just move to the front row so that we can move someone else that isn't big enough to play in the front row in the back row, right? Just to add more numbers, to add to add a extra dimension to the way you play. Likewise, locks, for the most part, are going to be tall. Obviously, you can't train to be tall. You can train to be better in the lineouts. I don't think that's necessarily something that needs to be trained in the gym. And you should also be training to get aerobically fit so you can get through as much work as you can. Obviously, there's some a, a decent amount of size element that you can add depending on who you are, depending on how you play. If you're a beanpole, of course, add some size. But that would occur no matter what position you played. Then we're looking at back rows. And in fact, back rows and six, seven, eight, nine, ten, potentially 12 and 13 as well, all need to be pretty decent in all areas. You need to be strong enough. You need to be fit enough. You need to be uh, fast enough. You need to be, uh, you need to move well enough and you need to be powerful enough, right? To break tackles, to make tackles, to get in on, on the rucks. I don't, necessarily see a a big change in your training needs i just see a change in the way that you already came at the game of rugby right so i i I do think this is something that gets overthought a lot right it's just the way you play now you can always change position and you can always kind of change the way you are but I don't think you necessarily are going to get that by changing the way you you trained. Okay, so before I even get on the fact onto wingers, right? If you were a a a lock and you said, okay, I or a back row, I, I want to play wing now, and you did nothing but speed work, does that mean you're gonna play wing, or does that just mean you're gonna be a faster back row because you know that position? Position specific training should never really. Um, overshadow in my opinion the pursuit of overall athletic training okay now with that in mind there are some elements to this so potentially if you are a a winger there's a good chance that you need to hit top end speed a few times in the game right your actual top end speed if you're in the pack there's a good chance that you never hit top end speed because it's just not something that happens so there is small elements like that, and there's that's that's one of them. Obviously, kicking. So you look at hip flexor, flexor strength, depending if you're a person that kicks a lot. Um, but I just I just think this still, even with this all in mind, right? This comes down to how you want to play the game. If you're someone that wants to burst more tackles and is finding that you're quite weak then you would need to add strength. You would need to get more explosive. You would need to work on your core and movement patterns so that you can beat your opposite number on offense and defense so that you you know, you know have positive outcomes for your actions. Um, you would also need to somewhat, and this would be like lower on the spectrum of importance, but you would still need to be or to get fitter so that you could repeat those actions over and over and over again. If you're someone that, gases after 20 minutes i don't really care what position you play you just got to get aerobically fit you're just aerobically uh uh inefficient 
and after 20 minutes you hit a bit of a wall and you're not able to keep going so that's an aerobic system problem it's not a position specific problem and you get players in all positions that this happens to now could you also have a scenario where maybe you've got like a maybe you've got a, a back row or maybe you've got a prop that is working so hard because they're weaker that they get gassed earlier maybe but again that's not a position specific thing that is a i'm weak and therefore i need to get stronger as a player to then develop myself to keep repeating so i don't think we should concern ourselves too much with the position that we play the only exceptions I think as a general rule of thumb that would be exceptions apart from obviously lots of little individual nuances and stuff would be the wingers, as I've already mentioned, getting up to top speed and then the front rows and that long isometric strength that's needed, particularly through the lower back and upper back and maybe neck, but like that sort of isometric strength there, there is, there is an element that is 100% needed for that to hold that position safely and ideally dominantly in a scrum. Now, again, most people just put their fat guys in the front row. It's just, it's just the way it is. If you are a front row and you're already strong enough, do you need to necessarily get stronger, uh, you know, over getting fitter? I would say p- probably not. And I'd say, is that your duty as the front row to do that? I'd also say probably not, right? I've seen this uh, a few times where I've worked with a few props that have ended up moving. In. I've worked with several props I wonder, there's a, there's a couple of props that I've worked with that have stayed props, but a lot of the time I've worked with props that have ended up being uh, hookers uh, because they're able to get, they're still strong enough to be in the front row, right? But now all of a sudden they're fit and they're overtaking back rows, they're overtaking backs in the fitness drills. They're getting through a lot of work and therefore their team says, okay, let's take advantage of this and put you a hooker. In fact, Ian is another one, classic example of one of my lads that uh, he was getting back into the game. He's always been a prop. And then he started playing prop. He was okay. He was doing well. And then because he lost so much weight and uh, got so fit that he could put in lots of efforts throughout the game, he played most of his rugby at six. Are, are we calling this a, a fail because he moved to the back row? Or are we calling this a success because now he gets to play back row and get more involved, not just being so gassed from the scrum? kind of depends on how you want to look at it again it's very individual i know uh, we've worked with uh i've worked with a few wingers that have moved into center or moved into fly half even i can name two uh kareem and uh jeremy is a good one who moved from wing to nine or ten because he got uh he was already pretty fast but he then got himself really fit he was like making line breaks his team wanted to get him on the ball more and because he was so fit he was playing the game with quite a clear mind which meant he read the game well, which meant he could like utilize him and utilizing him at fly half was actually really beneficial. Now, if we'd have looked at this and said, "Oh, you're already just about fit enough for wing," so in, let's let's just have you do loads and loads of speed work to to be a good winger, we would have lost out on this opportunity. And in fact, obviously, he enjoyed the game a lot more playing at, at, at nine or ten because of the amount of touches that he got on the ball. And those are just a few examples of why you don't necessarily need to think of playing the game from a certain position. You should instead think of playing the game the way you want to play. And if you want more information on on visualizing what that should mean and how you want that to look like, go back and listen to my goal-setting podcasts I, I, I did a couple weeks back. 
that should give you a good insight. At this time, if you enjoyed that question, I would like to shamelessly ask for the five-star reviews on the uh, Spotify podcast and the Apple podcast. Those really help out. If you're on YouTube, a thumbs up and just a comment for the algorithm also massively helps. And of course, if you've got a friend that could do with listening to this to this podcast to uh, benefit their strength and conditioning, send it on to them. That really helps out. All right. Next question. I've not copied the names of these people that have asked them, but they all know. They'll just got to make sure you listen. He says, the S&C coach at my club has us do intense cardio blocks, then straight into the weight room afterwards. I would do weights prior to conditioning to maximize my lifts if I had the chance. Does it really matter which way round these activities are performed if they are performed in the same session? So this depends and a good, uh, like, this is a well-structured question, right? Um, he's given me all the information he needs. He's given me the specifics of the question, really specific, right? Particularly the if performed in the same session part. Because normally, like, my answer straight away would have been, ideally, you want these this stuff separate, right? You, you want to work on your conditioning work, when you work on your conditioning. You want to work on your strength when you're working on your strength this or, or weights when you're working on your weights this is obviously not applicable for this person with this session and so then we answer that through this lens if we're going to combine uh conditioning work and weight room work in the same session what should the order be it depends <laughs> i don't want to give a that's a naffy answer right it, do, it does depend though it depends on what your priorities are now um if you do your conditioning sessions first for the most part this it's, it's going to have a, a tiny effect on your weight sessions. I don't think it's going to have a huge effect unless you're doing brutal conditioning sessions that I, I I wouldn't do anyway, right? If it's an aerobic session, it's not going to massively negative affect it because you're going to, it can just sort of pretend, it can just be a basic, basically like a long warm up. It's not going to be depleting. It's not going to be tiring. You're going to be fine to do, like I've had lots of people that do 20 to 30 minutes of uh, aerobic work before doing their weights um and the reason for that is if you do that if you do the weights first there's a good chance that you're just going to sack off the condition likewise we've had people that do the high high intensity uh, power intervals first and that almost acts as a potentiation for the weight room to go to follow and you need to be fresh to do that so that would be the one where you would need to do that first so if you're really trying to get higher high in the intensities you can't leave that till the end of the session because you, you won't reach those intensities to work that um to work that energy system right does that make sense so if you're working to uh become as powerful as possible with your energy system with your atp pc system so you can have really impactful plays when you actually get the ball that means that you have to reach those intensities, like reach, literally reach 95 to 100% as hard as you can within those 5 to 10 seconds of working. You can't do that if you've already done, if you're already cooked after a bunch of weights that you've done beforehand. Um, now, if you do weights beforehand, obviously you're going to be a little bit fresher. The cardio afterwards might be affected if it's not, the, you know, if it's aerobic work, it's going to be fine to do afterwards. But the same thing, again, you might end up just sacking it off. So again, it's about priorities. So a lot of people will prioritize their weights, and that's why they put their aerobic sessions at the end or their conditioning sessions at the end. I just don't think that's necessary. If you're someone that has to 
And this is a this is a, like a flip, especially if you're someone that's listening to the Rugby Muscle podcast. You're probably into the gym, right? And if anything, that's that's okay. You would probably need to prioritize bringing up your conditioning. I would do your conditioning first, so that it, until it is no longer a weak point, until it's a strength, and then I would worry about okay, now I've got that. I could put my conditioning on the back burner, right? Because most people. If they have, like, let's just say if they have two sessions of weights and two sessions of conditioning and they have to sack off one of those sessions, 95% plus percent of the listeners of this podcast would sack off a conditioning session, right? And and that just shows the results that are going to come up as a, as, a, as a result of that, right? So, yeah, it's just about prioritize, prioritizing. Um, so... It's a much of a muchness idea. It doesn't really matter too much as long as you're getting in quality work. Now, next question. How would you recommend to try to lose body fat while keeping muscle? But I live on campus where all my meals are cooked for me, so it's hard uh, to know what the macros are. All right, so my first answer on instinct would be to use like protein-based food uh, your cafeteria. Make sure you're getting in your protein, making sure you're lifting the weights. And if you're doing those two things and you're sleeping enough, actually don't even fucking worry about sleeping enough, you're not going to lose muscle. Now, are you going to perform well? Is your performance going to drop? That's, that's what you've got to monitor. You've got to monitor your performance. You've got to monitor your your daily weight. If your weight is shooting down too fast or if it's not moving, you need to make some adjustments. If actually if your if your weight is shooting down too fast and your performance is still holding steady and you're feeling all right, keep going. If your performance is dropping, you need to make some adjustments. So you just need to it's something that you have to uh play around with a little bit. As long as you're eating a decent amount of protein, you're going to be fine. You're probably not going to lose muscle and more more certain you're not going to lose muscle not to the point where it's going to become a concern. Um my other reaction to this question would be to to track. I know you said it's difficult to track. It's difficult to know what the macros are. I would still track for, it's going to be a bit of a bull lake, maybe, but I would track for two weeks or I would just continually track and just accept that it's not going to be perfectly accurate. And that's okay because none of it's perfectly accurate. It's all just a bit of a guessing game anyway. So you might as well track for, for a couple of weeks, know where you're at, spot where you're going wrong, spot the foods that you're eating that are a million calories that you had no idea that you thought were completely calorie free. Um, include the sources, be as comprehensive as you can, and then make adjustments. Um, I wouldn't worry about keeping muscle. I would worry about just knowing what is going into your body calorie-wise, knowing that you're um, able to eat enough to sustain a high performance, and then oh, slowly over time, see that weight drop off. And again, you don't have to shoot for a, a, a rapid weight loss, particularly if you're not too sure about what you are eating that that's probably inadvisable but you can look to lose a kilo plus a month and that adds up right that's or or let's say two kilos a month that's 20 kilos in a year 24 kilos in a year and that's that's a big that's a big transformation particularly if your performance is still going up and you know you've got this you know not perfect situation although i would argue it's still pretty decent you ain't cooking any food you ain't got any excuses mate this is this is a good situation for you. Now, the, if you want to just track for the two weeks, get the insights, that's also fine. And then you get to know what foods work for you, what foods don't. You get to know what the macros are-ish. And then from then on, you're, you, you kind of can just track in your head. 
it is a long learning process. People want to skip this. People want a quick result like that. It's just not going to happen. The only way you guarantee anything is if you just don't work, if you just give up and say, ah, oh, I mean, I guess I'm eating cafeteria food. I guess I, I can't lose weight. I guess I can't succeed with this diet. Then you're guaranteeing that you're never going to succeed, right? So it's a gradual process. And allow yourself the time to get better at this process. All right. With that, we finished these three questions. We've hit our 20 minute mark. Thank you everyone for listening. If you have a f- question for a future Q&A, please let me know. I will I don't think I'm going to be able to get to a Q&A edition next week, maybe the week after. Um if you guys give me some quality questions, I will 100% make sure I get to them the week after. I hope you've been enjoying these episodes. I hope you've been enjoying these Q&A uh, editions. Let me know in the comments on the feedback or by giving me a five-star review or just shoot me a message on Instagram at Rugby Muscle or even better, this is what I'd love you to do. Take a screenshot, post it to your stories, tag me at Rugby Muscle. That really does help the show grow. I love, I love reposting that shit. So cool. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'll catch you in the next one.